All right, welcome back to another episode of Professors Gone, Gone Wild. Wild. Dr. T, this episode topic is particularly important to you and to me. What are you calling it? I'm calling it breast cancer, all in the family. All right, so you're a breast cancer survivor. Yep. And you're 100% free and clear? I'm 100% free and clear. Never thought I would say this in my life, being a breast cancer survivor, but yes, I am. And so the bottom line for everybody listening, early detection is everything. And there's treatment options, mm -hmm. and uh, you'll get through this. Yeah. So let's begin with how did you find out you had breast cancer? Well, the last time I went for a mammogram, it was actually two years ago. It was in 2018, um, and I almost didn't go. Why not? Well, um, I had made an appointment with a mobile mammography unit that comes to the campus that I, that I work at, and um, I'd made an appointment for July of 2018. And they called me up just before the appointment, and they said they had to cancel because apparently not enough people signed up. So I was like, oh, bummer. You know, because that was really convenient. And so I almost canceled it. I said, well, I'll wait until spring of 2019. I'll just put it off for about six months. Um, and you didn't have any lump or any suspicion. You were just doing your your typical screening mammogram, which every woman... That's 40 years and up okay, should get. Should do. Yeah, yep. Um, Especially anyone with a family history like I had. I had a grandmother that died of ovarian cancer at, at 56 years old, um, and that's a big red flag. Any type of reproductive cancer is a red flag, and so I was going like a good girl every two years since I turned 40, getting a mammogram, and everything was always fine, you know, all clear, no problem. Um, so I thought, well, I can I can put this off for six months. I can wait a little bit of time, um, but then something happened. What what happened? Well, my aunt called me, and she told me that she had been diagnosed with breast cancer, and I was shocked. Yeah. Because uh, the family history, you know. Well, so cancer. breast cancer and ovarian cancer are related. They can be. They can okay. be. They can be. But she only knew about the breast cancer diagnosis. She had gone for a regular mammogram, and they had found something suspicious, and so they had her come back, and they did additional testing. They did a biopsy. And then she found out it was positive for breast cancer, um, that it actually had spread a little bit. So um. I was terrified for her. <laughs> and then I thought, oh, I can't skip that appointment. You right. Know? So your aunt's diagnosis of breast cancer really lit a fire under your butt to make it happen. Yeah. And what did you have to do to get this mammogram? Well, you know... Without that really convenient mobile mammography bus, you know, that could come to you, I had to call my general doctor. I had to see him. I had to get a referral to the mammography unit at the hospital to go get one. And so it was many steps in the process of doing that. So see my general doctor, get a referral, call the mammography unit in the hospital, make an appointment. So this is very proactive. It's, and, yeah. you know, if you're... Let's say, uh, let's say you're poor. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're a single mom and you're working two jobs mm -hmm. and you don't have health insurance. Right. This is not going to be a very easy thing to achieve. No, it and isn't. And 
That's why we see more breast cancer in certain demographic groups is accessibility. Now, do you pay for the mammogram? You do. You do. Well, here's the thing. I have insurance. I'm one of the lucky ones, and I have a family history of the reproductive cancers, and so my insurance covered this screening, you know, with a copay and everything, um, but not everyone's so lucky. That's why I really am a fan of, I'm going to say it, socialized healthcare. Yeah. Because if you could have one of these mobile mammography units pull into a neighborhood. Like a Walmart parking lot. Yeah. You know? And it was free. It was Imagine yeah. how many lives you would save. Exactly. So early detection. Early detection, yeah. All right, yep. continue, continue on. So you got your mammogram. So I went ahead, I went through, I got my mammogram. Good girl, pat in the back, yay. Um, Squishing the boobs. Oh, God, it's so uncomfortable. Anyone anyone out there who's had it done, you know what I'm talking about. It's embarrassing. You get naked from the, the top up with that papery little hospital apron they have, and then you get into the unit, and the technician squishes your breast between two cold plates, and it kind of hurts. They kind of crank that sucker down, so it is not comfortable to do. Um, and then you got to do the other breast, yeah. and so it, it no one likes to do it. Everyone yeah. kind of hates getting it done, but... Yeah. It's really important. It's very important. So um, I thought everything was going to be fine, but a few days later I got a call back and that had never happened before. Right. Usually they don't call you if everything's, everything's fine. fine. Right. But I got a call back uh, and they, they said, say... they said, we want you to come back in for a second, more detailed mammography. Cause we saw something, we saw calcifications and, and you know, me and Dr. P, we had to Google that. What, what does that mean? Yeah. If what's a see, calcification? A calcification is basically calcium as an ion that your body tends to put that ion down around inflamed or damaged tissue to isolate, to kind of protect you. So that's right. kind of cancer kind of does that. You get calcifications at the site. Yeah. We often see issues with calcium levels with certain cancers. cancers yeah. And yeah, it's a little protective shield. So yeah. keep going. This is oh. so yeah. So I go in for my second mammogram, and at this point, I'm really starting to be scared. Right. My your, heart's your pounding. Aunt, your aunt has breast cancer. I have shown you, a, a, a uh, suspicious mammogram. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm really starting to be scared. And Doctor P was so supportive. He said, you know, the statistics are on your side. Most cases of these calcifications is harmless it's, it's most likely it's going to be fine so I, I you know i go in feeling a little buffered by that but they do that uh, mammogram and i get the results immediately i was there yeah and yeah what happened what happened was they say we don't like what we see this is suspicious enough we want to schedule you for a biopsy holy okay, crap yeah what's a biopsy a biopsy is when they go in and they harvest some tissue in the area of concern and they send it off to pathology where someone's going to examine it very carefully for unusual cells or cancerous cells. Okay, so I remember this. Mm -hmm. And at this point, we're freaking out. Freaking completely out. And I cannot... Hella freaked out. I cannot imagine the stress hormones, oh, yeah. the anxiety, the fear... So continue. This is fascinating. So they scheduled my biopsy and they did not waste any time. It was within a few days. Um, so I go in and they put me on this table, belly down, and it's got a hole in the table for your breast to go down in, okay? Booby holes. Booby holes, right? And then they... And I'm not making light of this, by no, the way. No, no. I'm just, you well, know, I'm trying to yeah. be, you know, the optimist, but this is a very serious well, As topic. the one who's gone through it, I can make light of it because, you know, it's kind of ridiculous, but you have to do it. 
So I go in and they put me in this contraption and the, 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 I don't know if he was a technician, I don't know what he was, but he goes in with a uh, syringe full of lidocaine and he starts injecting my breast where they're going to go in with the biopsy. What's lidocaine? Lidocaine is an anesthetic that will numb the tissue where it's injected so you don't feel what they're doing. So sort of like Novocaine. Kind of like Novocaine, yeah. So you're not going to feel, because they're going to go in with a biopsy punch. I mean, they're taking a a good amount of tissue, you know? Um, So yeah, they wanted to numb me up. And then they waited for it to take effect, and then he, they started the procedure. And as they're going, they're really nice. They're so professional. They're like, you feeling anything? Is anything uncomfortable? You know, and at one point, it kind of was. It started to hurt. Yeah. And so they stopped, and they injected more lidocaine. And, you know, so it took a while. I mean, yeah. you were there. It took like 45 I, minutes. Yeah, I was waiting anxiously. Yeah. And yep. Now... Did you get results that day? I did not. No, it takes a few days for pathology to examine that biopsy sample. So they said, well, this is going to take a few days. Why don't you make an appointment with your general practitioner uh, so that they can give you the results? Because this department where I got the biopsy, they don't call you. That right. That's not their jurisdiction. They want a doctor to give you the results. And so I made an appointment with my doctor for three days later and oh three, three anxious, anxious days. Holy crap. Right. Yeah. Terrible. Days. And I kept saying, it's probably nothing. Yeah. It's probably we, yeah. nothing. And we both statistically, said, statistically, we right? Googled it, right? Google, yeah. Google doctor. There are, let's explain. There are benign and there are malignant right. tumors, right? Benign. It's, probably fine they might be able to do a lumpectomy take it out no big deal yeah well Mal- well benign means it's non-cancerous and they don't have to do okay. anything so uh, malignant malignant means there is cancer there and they're going to have to act on that so benign was what we were hoping for yeah we were hoping for benign yeah um and and the ch- and the statistics were on my side yeah um we went into that appointment three days later we i guess we had built up our confidence with you know WebMD and all that stuff that really statistically it was unlikely to be malignant. And so I went in expecting it to be nothing. And my doctor walks in point blank. He didn't even do any small talk. He walked right in, looked at his chart and said, it's cancer. Well, I mean, he didn't say it's cancer. He was like, I'm, I'm afraid. Yeah. It's, it's cancer. Yeah. And listen, when you hear those words, I hope none of you ever hear those words. I hope not. It drops you to the floor. Yeah, I think I went through the floor into the basement. Um, yeah, it's. I, I described it to my um, my breast cancer navigator. They actually have a, a nurse right. nurse navigator navigator that mm-hmm. it's their job to navigate patients because through. the psychology, the, yeah. the emotion, yeah, and ugh. the panic. I know. You you lose all common sense when you're in full oh. fight flight mode, man. You will. You can be an intelligent person like we are. And you can still act like a fool with panic. And that's about where I was. I don't, how about you? Gobsmacked. Yeah, gobsmacked. I felt like I was on a cliff and I was teetering, tottering over that cliff. That's yep. what I felt at the moment the doctor said that. And we have a friend right now, uh, a lady, and she is going through the same thing and we're trying to comfort, comfort and her, help talk and her through. Aid. The main thing with all of this is the community, the support, the yeah. encouragement. The education, which is why we're doing this episode. And I was standing there basically crying. Uh, Yeah, immediately I just started crying because I 
I was not believing what I heard. You know, in movies where someone gets the the, the big C diagnosis yeah. and, and everything goes to slow-mo. Yep. That's actually freaking true. And you're not even listening to words. Yeah, anymore. yeah. He he kept talking and, and I was like, blah 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 blah. Okay, blah. but there's there's a silver lining. Yeah. We were fortunate enough to immediately yeah. get referred to a nurse navigator yep. in the same big hospital. hospital system. We had to go to another building and all this stuff. Yep. She came to meet us. And it was after five PM. Yep. And I think it was a Friday. It was a Friday, I think. And it was. Now listen, if you don't get to see your nurse no, it was a Thursday that day, mm-hmm. okay, you're gonna get seen really quickly. Yeah. We were fortunate that they they had the nurse navigator in another building ready to discuss. Mm-hmm. So, okay, continue. Okay, so I saw my nurse navigator and she was amazing, and she took you know Doctor P and me into the, her office, and she basically said. Okay, you got this diagnosis, but right now you're already a breast cancer survivor. And and that kind of switched the gears in my brain. She she basically comforted me in that here's what we're gonna do next. We're gonna contact an oncologist, and she made calls. What's an oncologist? An oncologist is a, a physician who specializes in cancer. It's diagnosis, it's treatment. Okay. Um, oncology is cancer. Oncology the study is of cancer. Can't study of cancer, and an oncologist specializes in cancer. And she gave you a book? She gave me a book about breast cancer and how to handle it, not just step by step, but the emotions and everything that you feel and, and the panic and worry that you feel. All of this is completely normal. And it also explained the different possibilities but, because here's the thing, folks. Depending on your exact particular situation, there are multiple versions of breast cancer mm-hmm. and their treatment. Right. It Unbelievable. My, my aunt's cancer was different from mine. So I was diagnosed with stage zero. Now, they used to call this pre-cancer, but they don't anymore. But it was non-invasive um, ductal carcinoma stage zero. So it had formed in the milk ducts of the mammary gland. Um, and my aunt had that too, uh, except hers was different from mine. Yeah. Hers was stage one, which means it spread from the site that it originally formed, whereas mine had not spread. Hers was triple negative. Okay, what's that mean? Triple negative means it's not sensitive to estrogen or progesterone, whereas mine was. And it's also not sensitive uh, to some, some other factors. Now, I should have Googled this before doing this, but triple negative is actually one of the harder ones to treat. Mine, on the other hand, was relatively easy to treat. Okay, and is this genetic? I mean, that's why we're calling this all in the family. All in the family. You know what? It is genetic. So it's no surprise that my aunt was diagnosed and then I was diagnosed, and also no surprise that my grandmother had ovarian cancer. Um, I started freaking and you know so we'll talk about the process of this but immediately after I got back from that diagnosis and consult with my nurse navigator I called my aunt I even called yeah. my aunt before I called my mom right because I knew my mom would freak out so I called my aunt and I said let's go through our family tree and see how many of our female or even male family members yeah because males can, can get, get breast, breast cancer, cancer. Yeah. yeah and so we went through up to great grandmothers and, and second and third cousins and there was a pretty clear link right uh, down right the down the line right yeah. down the line yeah. so um so yeah 
You want to know about this genetic link? Please tell us about the gene. Okay, so there's lots of genes that, if they're not functioning the way they should, could increase the chance of cancer. And one of the main ones that's become very publicized uh, is the BRCA gene. All right, it's called BRCA, but it's literally capital letters BRCA. BR for breast cancer, um, and then antigen gene. This BRCA gene is a good gene, all right? This is a tumor suppressor gene. And when it's doing its job, if a mass of unusual cells develops, like a tumor, it'll squash them. It'll knock them out. It'll destroy them. Yeah, the immune system's amazing. It is. There, and are, yeah. there are proteins. There are chaperones. There, yeah. are, there are all sorts of things cruising through your body right now as you listen to this. Putting out fires that you didn't even know were burning. Yeah, and they will basically squelch. Now, for example, there are immune system cells that will come and eat cancerous cells. Yeah, yeah. Are those natural killer cells? What are those? Well, but let's get back to oh. this gene. Okay. So the gene... There's, there's actually two genes. Yeah, there's right? the, the BRCA1 and the BRCA2. And like I said, they're the good genes. They, they squash tumors before they become cancerous. But what my aunt found out is she had a mutation in the BRCA2 gene. And when she told me that, um, when I met with my oncologist the very next day. Yeah, it was the next day. It was the very next day. I told him about it and I gave him my entire pedigree of cancer i had written out like yeah, the anal retentive yeah. scientist i am and he says okay okay here's what we're going to do we're going to immediately get a blood sample we're going to test you through these mutations and about 25 other genes that could be involved in this cancer yeah. but it's going to take about three weeks and i, I want to interject here that the health insurance you have they were saying they weren't going to cover the costs of this test. Oh, my God. And it was thousands of dollars. Yeah, it's thousands of dollars to because, you know, I wanted to test for both genes because just because yeah. my aunt had a mutation in the BRCA2 doesn't mean I would. I could have had a mutation in the BRCA1. And so, so let me tell you the importance of these tests. If you have a mutation in number one, BRCA1, that increases your risk of breast cancer from 50 to 80 percent and even increases risk of ovarian cancer from 20 to 40 percent. OK, so that's that's bad. The that's mutation bad. is bad. Yeah. And then in the gene number two, it increases breast cancer by 40 to 70 percent and ovarian cancer 10 to 20. And so, so if you have mutations in either one of these genes, it's, it's bad. bad. It's bad. It's it's not a matter of if you get breast or ovarian it's cancer. When. It's when. Okay. Yeah. So the health insurance company said, we don't know if we're going to allow you to have this covered under our policy. Yeah. And it was, I got the letter I know, and, Friday yeah, and, before a weekend yeah, and they said they we weren't going to we cover it and, and you have 24 hours out. to make a, yeah. make a, 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 you a know, dispute, dispute yeah. this. And I, and I was like, it's Friday. Yeah. It was an awful weekend. It was I, an awful I weekend. I cried. I called the, yep. the oncologist office. I got a nurse, so I never talked to the doctor, and I explained what was going on. She says, don't worry. This has happened yep. before. And that's true. And then it the was, whole weekend, I stressed all, out. It was all paid for. And, and and the oncologist called the insurance company like my bulldog defended me yes. and made sure and that they, they covered it. And they should. And they should. Because, listen, if you have a family history of breast, ovarian cancer, that should be covered. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, that's what you have insurance on. for. Come on. Let's let's just put this into dollars, right? Yeah. It's going to be, what, hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to treat, treat advanced cancer advanced that didn't cancer get treated. Yeah. Versus 
do a damn test uh-huh. and nip it in the bud, and yes. it's going to be a lot less expensive. Yes. But please continue. This is oh, uh, it's such a it's such a torturous journey, it and really I is. empathize so much with any of you who have gone through this or watched someone close to you go through this because it's it's more than just getting the surgery scheduled and getting treatment. It's oh, everything God. that leads up to you it. You know what? It's so We're twenty minutes and you haven't talked about surgery. <laughs> tell us about your aunt real quick, and okay. then tell us about your surgery. Okay, so my aunt um, elected for the double mastectomy because just as my oncologist said to me and hers said to her, if you have a mutation in this gene with a family history, the entire medical community says get a double mastectomy a bilateral mastectomy because so both breasts both breasts i had cancer in my right breast but they want to take off the left one as well because if you have the gene if you have the gene it's going to happen again and again again, and again and 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 also your ovaries yeah so that was the second step of the journey but the first step was the mastectomy so yeah so um so anyway I, I met with my oncologist, got the blood test, got the results, and then when I got the results, I knew what my treatment would be. Okay, okay. What, are the, what are the options? What are the treatments? Okay. You, you had a choice, right? I had a choice. So if I came up negative for the mutation, I could have simply gotten a lumpectomy where they removed the, 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 the cancerous tissue, followed by a series of radiation treatments okay. to okay. just make sure any cancerous cells that were left behind were squashed. But with the positive uh, diagnosis for the mutation, that completely changed my diagnosis to the double mastectomy. Again, because if you have the gene mutation, you are going to continually be looking over your shoulder because you're very likely to continue to develop tumors. Exactly, exactly. So, And that's the worst. That's that, the worst diagnosis. You don't want to be looking over your, your shoulder for the rest of your life in right. fear. Cause, and you're 40-something years old. Yeah, I was 48 like, at the time. You know, I want to live the next 40 years. Yeah, exactly. Maybe longer. Yeah. And so, okay, what, so did you, what did you just, how did you decide? What did you decide? How okay, did you decide? so I met with my surgeon. She was the most highly recommended uh, person in the PD for, you know, mastectomy and surgery in general. And this is where I can lighten up a little bit because this woman was amazing, amazing, but a little cray cray, if you know what I mean. Uh, so me and Dr. P, we met with her and, you know, I, I told her I mean, she had all the files and everything. And so she said, okay, let's schedule this double mastectomy. And then we need a consult with a reconstructive surgeon. I'm like, what? Why? Okay, reconstructive surgeon? Yeah. So she made the assumption that I was going to opt for the double mastectomy and immediately undergo reconstructive surgery for breast implants. Okay. And that I did not want to do. Why did you not want breast implants or reconstruction? Well, for many reasons, and the reasons are very personal for each woman who goes through this, or a man for that matter, but my aunt opted for reconstructive surgery because that was very important for her and that was a very important part of her self-esteem and it's just it was important to her but my goodness I watched her you know go through the so after the surgery immediately the, the reconstructive surgeon goes in and puts expanders in the chest and then they fill that with fluid and that hurts. That must hurt a lot. And also, then, it's a long surgery. It's a 10-hour surgery ten for her. 10-hour surgery for her. And how long was your surgery? My surgery was two and a half hours. Yeah. 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 So the, the long process of going through expanders where they fill that up every month or so, then getting exchanged with breast implant. I didn't want any of that. 10-hour surgery? And there's complications with some of these breast implants. Yeah, yeah. 
So sometimes your body rejects them. Yeah. The textured implants have been shown to cause breast cancer. Oh, God. Can you believe that? Yeah. I Crap. Yep. I know. So I'm like, no way, no way. And as long as Dr. P didn't care, I didn't want any of that. So I said, nope, we're not doing that. She says, okay, great. That makes this easy. And, and uh, she said that's what she would do. And she said This that. is the surgeon yep. who does hundreds of mastectomies a year. A year, if not more than that. And she said, if it was me, I'd cut them off. What did you call them? I called them cancer bags. Get rid of these cancer bags. Right. Get the cancer (laughs) bags off my body. Yeah. And, yep. all right, so... So listen to this. People, you're not going to believe this. This woman, this Craig Craig woman, amazing, skilled, professional, most highly recommended, and she is is tenuous. She is... mm. So she wanted to schedule it for, uh, I think I had it scheduled for the 13th of September, 2018. And you know what was coming into the PD region of South Carolina at that exact time? Hurricane Florence. Yeah. A hurricane. Yeah. I don't know what category it was, but it was up there. And what did she say? She says, so I said, but you know there's a hurricane coming in. And without even missing a beat, she says, we got generators. And Greg, Dr. Dr. P and I... Looked at each other and we said, "Oh hell no, hell no." Hell no. no. Uh, I said, "No, no. I think I, I think. How about the the following Tuesday, the 18th?" And so yeah. that's what we did. Okay, so <laughs> you opted for double mastectomy. Yes, I did. And this no was, reconstruction. This was the biggie. This was the biggie. And so I, tell us about your experiences. Um, the night before that surgery was the scariest night of my life. Yeah. Um. I really had a hard time sleeping. Um, I went to bed at like midnight, slept lightly for a few hours, then woke up with all the worries because I'm supposed to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning. And I remember going out in the back deck and, you know, my, my deer came up to wonder what was going on. He comforted me um, just being there. But, you know, I was like, there's no way I'm going back to sleep. I'm just going to have to wait till, you know, morning. But we went in 8 o'clock in the morning and we were hoping that we'd get right to it, but guess what? No. Didn't no. happen, did it? No, be patient when be you're patient. A, when you are a patient. When you're patient, be patient. <laughs> because uh, it wasn't until later. So the worst part is sitting in the little waiting room. And waiting. And you have your own little room. <laughs> yeah. And you're watching horrible TV. Yeah. And, and I'm in that waiting, hospital gown, you know. Waiting. Yeah. And eventually they say, hey, you're up. Yep. And they wheeled you up. To the surgery prep room. The prep. And I met my anesthesiologist. He was really cool. Yep. Um, and the nurse anesthetist. Yes. There's a whole bunch of people involved. Oh, yes. It, yes. It's, they're, they're so kind. They're, they're so, so kind. Nice. In fact, so before, nice. before I received any drugs or anything from my anesthesiologist, my surgeon came up to meet me briefly. Yeah. And she was super comforting and confident. And so then, um, so yeah, I'm still a little bit nervous, but I'm psyched because I'm finally in the surgery prep room. You're Yay. Getting it done. Getting, getting it done. Getting that, get the cancer out. Um, so, oh my goodness. So I'm not going to remember a lot of this. You're Dr. P. I remember tell it. they had you initial something. Oh, they what gave me that? a marker and they, they said, could you please mark the breast that has the cancer? Yeah. <laughs> so I had to initial it. I mean, yeah, it's the double check system to make sure. I mean, they're taking both off. but uh, and, they, and then they came in with the happy juice. Oh, the happy juice. Oh, my God. So they put in my catheter, uh, the line into my arm connected to an IV bag. Um, and then the anesthesiologist gave me the happy juice. And, um, and how long point, did I last at that um, point? Not even five seconds. <laughs> and I was standing there, and of course, I'm like a total mess of nerves. Mm. And she just, you know, 
fell asleep (laughs) and they very quickly wheeled her away Mm -hmm. and then they put me downstairs to wait and waited a few hours Mm -hmm. and then they called and they said she's in recovery Mm -hmm. and you can see her in just a little bit and they gave me the room number and I came up and I had a couple friends with us yeah and um when I walked in this spitfire is awake (laughs) and acting like nothing happened (laughs) well remember I'm still on um good juice and leftovers from the anesthesia and I'm sure they gave me some good pain meds and so you know, keep in mind this spitfire was pretty heavily medicated still yeah. and she had her own room and yep. later that night she wanted pizza yep. so we sent a friend out and got pizza yep and okay so it's a done deal we had the teddy bears and the flowers oh and god I have now, so many good friends yeah, that and that's awesome me, yeah. that's awesome and now, Dr. P you were amazing well but then let's talk about the after effects. Like okay. what to expect. Okay, so um, it, it's a lot, you know, and I'll make it real short. But um, three months after that surgery, when I recovered, I had to go and get my ovaries and fallopian tubes removed um, with laparoscopic a surgery, surgery. A second surgery. Um, and when they took out my ovaries, it put me into immediate surgical menopause and so now why did they take out the ovaries they took out the ovaries because and fallopian tubes and fallopian tubes because my cancer was sensitive to estrogen and progesterone both hormones come from the ovaries and my mutation made me more likely to form ovarian cancer and remember my grandmother died of that so you had gotten double mastectomy mm-hmm. but you could have still gotten cancer in my ovaries cancer in your ovaries fallopian yep. tubes yep. etc yep so that was another tough decision. That was another tough decision, but a necessary one. My aunt went through the same thing. Okay. I would say the first surgery, it, it took you a month to recover, and then she was back to work. And, and back to work, yeah. There's all sorts of details we could get into about the actual recovery, like there are drains oh, yeah. that have to be emptied every day. Every day or multiple you times You have a day. to clean the bandages, change the bandages. Dr. P is an amazing medic because he did all that for me. (laughs) So explain, you basically just had a line across across your chest Uh from one armpit to the other. Yep. With, I think at that point it was staples, sutures? Um, I I, I don't know if it was skin glue or not because it was was hard to tell. Um, Just a line. Just just a line, line across the chest. Yep. And these drains were the worst part. The drains actually hurt more than the mastectomy did because they were still there. See, my mastectomy um, incision line was closed completely and it was in the process of healing. But the drains are I, for lymph, basically yeah, fluid that yeah. accumulates from, from, the site. from the site. From all the disturbance. And you actually judge how the healing is going by how the color fluid? and the quantity of the fluid that mm-hmm. comes through in these drains. That was the worst part. It was. It was, it was not only was it kind of gross, but it was like, it's, you have to continually do this multiple times a day and just be real careful. And if you move a certain way, you pull on that line. And you had to kind of sit up to sleep. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep yeah. with my back down. I had to sleep yeah. propped up for weeks. Yeah. And so two surgeries later. Two surgeries. Awful. Awful. Yeah. No human being should have to go through this. I know. It, it's, 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 you know, I was in full fight, flight, survival mode. I think from July of my diagnosis to December when I had the second surgery. And you know what, folks? It, it continued after that. Yeah. Even you had post-traumatic I, stress. I had post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. disorder. Um, and still probably to this day. It's still to this day. There's a lot. Yeah. That 
that gets to you. Like you were immediately postmenopausal. Oh my god! So you had problems with hot flashes, yep. mood swings, depression, depression, yeah, anxiety, panic attacks. Your first panic attacks of your life. Yeah. So six months after all of this happened, I had a, I, you know, I'd seen my surgeon on a regular basis um, after the surgery, but the first checkup I had, uh, you know, Dr. P was with me. He drove me and everything like that, and. And when I went to the appointment, everything was cool. Everything was fun. Got out of the appointment and the the wind got knocked out of my sails. I had my first full-blown panic attack of my life. And I just, I didn't know what was happening. Um, my heart was pounding in, in my chest and I was feeling lightheaded and I didn't know if I was having a heart attack and, and it wasn't. It was a panic attack. This is, without a doubt, a post-traumatic type of situation yeah it absolutely was and, and it took me a long time to recognize it for what it was and you did some counseling yep so i i first of all i saw my doctor the same one who gave me the diagnosis told him what was happening so the important thing is to communicate with those around you so i talked with dr p and there's a support group. and there's a support group and i talked mm -hmm. to my doctor about it and so he got me on antidepressant a real low dose and then i made an appointment with a counselor to start talking to someone about it because you know what? Your friends and family, as much as they care about you and love you, they're not they're not accredited. They're not they don't have a degree in, in counseling. You've got to go to a professional. Um, and you do have to reach out for help if you're struggling after or during this kind of thing with cancer. Don't isolate yourself. Please talk to someone because it's too much for one person to bear on their own. It really is. Absolutely. I thought I was the strongest person on the face of the earth, mm -hmm. and this put me in my place. Yeah. Um, you're, you're going to find out that you have some weaknesses, you know? And so there's a lot they don't tell you about breast cancer yeah. or any cancers. No one talked about the psychological effect no. at no. all. None of the not so, oncologist or the surgeon. And so you did no radiation. No radiation. No chemotherapy. Yeah. Yep. But there are lingering long-term effects. Mm -hmm. You are objectively 100% healthy. You've gone back several times and clean bill of health. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't is, see my surgeon now for another year. And this is going to follow you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And on one hand, a person can say, you survived, you survived. Yay, live, me, live yay. life, live life. But I've witnessed it. You've experienced it. Mm -hmm. It's real. It's real. The, the after effect the aftermath is, is psychologically traumatizing it, it is and and like i said i can't emphasize enough through this whole thing if you know someone or you yourself are are going through this you know, reach out to people and then if you need more help seek it out because this depression thing sucks yeah. it, it it can you know what's the point of surviving cancer if you're depressed and not enjoying life exactly there's no point exactly you got to you got so as much as i had to fight for my life I have to fight for my happiness now. Yes. And that's just as and important. Really, it's been, you said, two years. It's almost three years. Yeah. And it's still a daily thing. I'm still going through it. I think I'm starting to see the light, but it's taken time. And so don't expect uh, miracles in recovery. Um, realize that it's going to be a journey. Um, and, and, and give yourself that space to heal. And it could take longer than you'd suspect. I didn't suspect it would take me this long, but it has. And... And there it is. And you can't rush these things. And the other thing that I'd like to just end with, early detection. Oh, God. Early detection. You might have to claw your way 
into a mammogram appointment. I kind of feel like I had to. If it runs in your family, don't wait. The family, do it. Do it. I don't care if it's embarrassing. I don't care if it's uncomfortable. I don't care if, if it costs three hundred bucks. Yeah, do it because you know what? The fact that I didn't have to have radiation or chemotherapies because they caught it early. And you're looking at another, you know. Yeah. Basically, the amount of years you've lived so far, you're looking at living the same number of years in the future. This, yeah. And if you had not gotten early testing well, and diagnosis and treatment, it could have been a very different scenario. Could have died mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Hey, hey, my grandmother died at 56. I was 48 when I was diagnosed. It doesn't take much math to figure out yeah. you're in the hot zone. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get, get tested, get I proactive. Encourage tested. everybody. I applaud yeah. you, Dr. T. <laughs> I applaud every woman who gets tested. Yeah. Early detection is so critical. There are so many good treatment options out yes. there. Yes, it's come a long way from like my mother's time or my grandmother's time. Um, the treatments are so good and so targeted. Um, but getting getting tested, getting detected early can save you your life. It does. It saved mine. All right. And so this is a little bit of a somber episode, but I suspect a lot of people will be interested in the personal anecdote. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think everybody knows somebody who's had breast cancer, and I hope that the message gets out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Doing our part. All right. Well, it's Friday night. It's time for a drink. (laughs) Time for a drink (laughs) to celebrate Life. life. All right. Peace out.